1: Hey, friends, just excited to be with you today. I've got uh, two longtime friends and spiritual giants and guys I have a tremendous amount of respect for on every possible level as men, as friends, as followers of Jesus, as guys who lead well in their particular lane. So today, and I'm not going to say much about them, I'm going to let them kind of share who they are on their own. We have from the Toledo, Ohio area, we have one Ryan Snow. And from Metropolitan South Vienna, we have one Benjamin Charles. Huge
2: metropolis.
1: Of- Bottom. People can tell already. Thank you, William. People can tell already this, this thing is going to go off the rails <laughs> so quickly, it's not even funny. <laughs> because we have a lot of years, even though we haven't seen each other, Ryan, but Ben and I have, it's it's like it was yesterday. So we will pick up this ball and run with it. So, hey, guys, could you just tell a little bit about kind of your current state, family, you know, what's going on that way, season of life, ministry, career, that kind of thing. And we'll start with Ryan being the furthest away, Toledo way. Tell us about yourself, Ryan, and then we'll get to you, Benjamin.
3: All right, man. Good to be with you. Good to pick up the ball with you. Reminds me of some make it, take it uh, basketball games with you. It was amazing how Those still live on, those memories in my mind. So yeah, name is Ryan Snow. I am a follower of Jesus. Actually started following Jesus back in 1990, kind of through the ministry of Young Life and Fellowship Christian Church in Springfield, Ohio. And I got married at the end of two, you know, some things happened in between that and getting married, but I did get married in uh, December of 2020 to Libby uh, Snow now. And we've been married over 20 years, and we have four kids: a 16-year-old daughter, a 13-year-old daughter, a 10-year-old son, and a 7-year-old son. So our life is full, and uh, awesome kids. Uh, one of them is getting their driver's license, hopefully tomorrow. So kind of a crazy season of life. And currently, I wear two hats professionally. I serve on a leadership team in a uh, local business up here in Northwest Ohio. We have four locations in the run specialty industry. So deal with a lot of marathoners, triathletes, people who are having foot issues. And for a local business that's been around since 1973, we have about 50 employees and put on a ton of events. And so that is a super fun environment to be in. And then secondly, I also am on staff with a church, Soma City Church and really uh, kind of pastor the teaching and equipping ministries. And so try to think through the content of, you know, what we're communicating on Sunday mornings in our uh, small group environments and um, other environments like that. So I have been here in Northwest Ohio since 2005. And before that was in Columbus for about 10 years. And yeah, grew up in Springfield, Ohio. So it's good to be here. That's me in
1: kind of 90 seconds. Yeah, that's all I've got for you now. Thanks, Ryan. That's gold as always. So um, we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit more. So ben, <laughs> ben, tell us about yourself. Tell us about family. And we can, we can pause on your uh, current thing, the number of kids, and get into that a little bit more in a moment. But uh, kind of current state of affairs for you and where you are right now in 2021 and one we'll pack a little bit more later.
2: Thank you, Jeffrey. Pleasure to be here. I also am from Springfield, Ohio. Ryan, I'm sitting in lovely downtown Springfield, Ohio, as we speak. I have been married for 21 years and met my lovely wife, Lana, uh, at high school, pretty much uh, through the mission of Young Life, which is pretty wild. And I started my relationship with Christ through Young Life. And uh, I've been a Clark Countyian for life, and I've worked for Young Life as an area director here for the last 20 years. It's been pretty wild. 15 or 16 months ago, I transitioned off of full-time staff to work for 41 and Change Coffee, I am officially uh, the third person on staff there, and um, it's a wild, wild uh, change for me. The The really interesting part is everything feels so different because it's a whole new job that I'm kind of making up as I go along, but the whole purpose of my job is to work with Young Life folks, help them raise money for their areas, which means get more kids to camp, more kids hear about Jesus, areas being healthier, all that stuff. So a lot has changed with uh, professionally, But a lot hasn't i get to work with young life folks i also work part-time uh for our region for young life and i get to train new staff folks so it's it's a pretty cool gig what did i miss jeffrey
1: that's pretty good i mean (laughs) I, i think the one thing that's i told you guys i would go off script some and kind of go where Holy Spirit leads. So, you know, I think for both of you, when I think of, you know, Ryan, particularly you, every time I think about what you've done in ministry, was you started a church and were the senior leader. And then you kind of took a back seat, you know, at least how most people would evaluate that term, and let Sammy go ahead. Yeah. And Ben, you've done some different shifts and, and mm-hmm. things. And, you know, Mike Donahue, who I'm a big fan of for 10th Avenue North, he talks a lot about servant leadership. And he talks about we should talk a lot mm-hmm. more about followership, a lot less about leadership. You know, all three of us would agree that Mm -hmm. servant leadership is important, but as he says, what word do we really like in there? We like the word leadership. We don't like the word servant, but we'll use it Mm -hmm. because the word leadership is still there. Speak to that thought, wherever that hits you guys, as far as being a servant above all else and how that applies maybe to, you know, a worldview, a daily existence, leading other people. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, Jeff mentioned the idea.
3: So my wife Libby and I moved to Toledo uh, from Columbus on June 14th of 2005 with a 27 foot U-Haul and we had one dog and one kid and we planted a church with our dog and our daughter and the two of us in a very liberal part of our city and we had three other people that kind of awkwardly wanted to help start a church. So we kind of felt like a cult for about the first year. And we were meeting out of our house and making lattes and, you know, start reaching a lot of college students and just neighbors and people that just wanted nothing to do with at least what they thought was Jesus and, and the church. And so we did that. And then in 2010, really uh, came together with another church in Uh, the Toledo area that had the same vision of you know kind of being a multi-site multi-location church we did that for six years and God did amazing things through both locations and after about six years of that just realized we would be more fruitful to kind of go back you know multi-site church is awesome but it can also be very complex and and so we just didn't feel like we were really being that effective so at that time we had four kids we had just adopted Grady from Ethiopia in 2015 and I was looking at my life and and I was like, I I really have a vision to reach people in this city, but I, I don't think I have to be the the point leader. And I had been serving with Sammy Adabe, who's actually good friends with Mike Dunney from 10th Avenue North. And uh, Sammy really took the took the helm. And, you know, uh, I, I took more of a wearing a bunch of hats, kind of executive pastor role, associate pastor, helping with, you know, overseeing just the teaching. But he really um, stepped into that leadership role. And so it just gave me the opportunity to embody, obviously, we talk about servant leadership and you know, more of just, you know, Chuck Reinhold, who's this really old, wise saint, helped start young life, you know, exponentially throughout, you know, the Eastern Division and Pittsburgh area in particular. He had a great line once. He said, A servant can go anywhere. And, you know, to me, I think that, you know, we may say that, but I think that there's just a lot of wisdom in saying, like, wow. If I really believe in a mission and a vision, and I'm willing to be a servant for that vision and mission, then I'm in position A. And so to me, the title, the role was not important. It was more, what will advance the mission? And mm. for me, I knew at that season of life, it was, it was not to be the point leader and felt very comfortable in that. And you know, God's done incredible things with that decision in spite of the last year of craziness and trying to do ministry in a COVID
1: world. So that's kind of me. Ryan, I love what you said there, because I think that's being very self-aware, which I think, you know, my world of dealing with men, I think a lot of guys are not self-aware. I've often said, you know, if I ask myself or someone asked me what TV character Am I most like, I would probably say George Costanza on some level and biblically go ahead and laugh. I was going to say one of you, if not both of you need to laugh at that. But if I look at it from a biblical standpoint, <laughs> I, I really feel like I'm a Jonathan to other people's Davids. And I appreciate what you said. Cause I think mm. that's kind of the same type of thing you did there. And, you know, I think you know there's nothing wrong with that and i like what you said yeah chuck reinhold yep. for anybody that doesn't know him they should google him and he's got a great book out there kind of about his life but uh yeah you can be a servant anywhere yep. and jonathan's i believe as is the case with me can be a jonathan to many davids versus david that's the guy you got to be the one so ben picking up on that like how does that yep. fit for you you've played some different roles you kind of you know have have seen a lot of the good stuff the where people love you in young life, being a program, guy, at camps and all that, then you stepped away and you're probably in a little bit more of a servant leadership role, you know, by its truest sense, even eliminating the word leader now. So speak to that same philosophy of servant leadership.
2: Mm-hmm. Thanks, Jeffrey. Ryan, you nailed it, by the way.
1: So <laughs> it's a, it's a
2: hard thing to talk about, not, a, not to talk about, but to, to get people to engage in. Right. Cause no one wants to go, yeah, I want to be a servant. Mm-hmm. Right. And so if we take it back from the beginning, it's like, well, what did Jesus do? And, and so in Matthew 20, when people are arguing about who's going to be great, who's going to be sitting at Jesus' right-hand side in heaven and all this stuff, uh, Jesus calls them out, right, and says, it shall not be among you. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Whoever would be first among you must be last. Even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And give his life as a ransom for many. So it's like, oh my gosh, let's let's take this back to the greatest person of all time, right? And yeah. look at how he served. And I think what's missing with a lot of uh, followers of Christ is an outlet to actually serve. Mm. Whether you're in a season that's really really good, or whether you're in a season of where you're grieving, I think that having an outlet to serve. Uh, is so healthy for people because it's real and it's ministry and it's worship and it can, it can look so many different ways. And I I don't know if this is what you want to talk about, Jeff, but I have just been having this conversation with my wife that, that a lot of our brothers and sisters in the Lord go to church and are quote unquote good Christian people, but feel like they're, they're missing something. And I think for a lot of people, it's an outlet to actually Mm -hmm. serve.
1: It's hard to imagine that wouldn't be true, you know? I think that's, yeah, you could almost make that an across-the-board type of thing. I mean, I think the level at which you serve is probably going to determine joy, obviously fruit, selflessness. I mean, the list goes on and on.
2: Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And back to what Ryan did, I think one of the wisest things that we can do is to set other people up and realize, man, God doesn't need me. Right. Like right. <laughs> the Lord is doing amazing things in my my town and my neighbors and community. And I get the privilege of playing this weird little role in it because mm-hmm. he's awesome like that and kind to us. And if I step out and and help somebody else develop into a great leader, man, the Lord can do amazing things to that person, through that person, and, and I get to get out of the way. Yeah. And it, uh it sounds that's like that's a sign of maturity, right? Because We want to be praised like the normal sinful side of us you know
1: yeah Mm -hmm. kind of reminds me of when when our friend wally martinson talks about you know kind of whose story you're telling we're ultimately all trying to tell god's story but even when we get to help somebody else tell their story if we make it only about us and our story it gets pretty boring and pretty sad pretty quick if it's about somebody else's story and certainly god's story first and foremost Wow. Open up the floodgates to how good that's going to be. So, hey, let's, uh, you know, we're still in a COVID season on some level. So let's talk about COVID. And maybe if you could each give us like one minute, keep Mm -hmm. it brief because we got a lot of topics here to cover. You know, how has it been for you as a man? How has it been for you within the family life and the ministry professionally? And Ben, we will gladly start with you first on this one. How has COVID impacted you?
2: Mm. Oh, you mean like slow, steady weight gain? Because it's... um... You know, consistency is important, Jeff, Um, and I've been that. So, no, uh, in all seriousness, Pinkleton, this is a weird, weird thing for me to talk about where I could burst into tears, if you will. But here's my two cents on COVID. Even if you're doing really well. So, for example, I'm driving to school with my Ninos in the van. We get this few minutes to drive there together, to be intentional, to pray together, to have conversations. And I get to say, hey, let's talk about what we're thankful for, because we have a bajillion things to be thankful for. And once one person says something you're thankful for, it's kind of contagious, right? Mm -hmm. And somebody else can be thankful for something. And I think this is another thing that, that Christians are missing, too, is like, we have a lot of things to be thankful for. And at the end of that sentence or conversation, when it's like, gosh, we are so fortunate to have our health and food and car and education and opportunity and all the talents that God has given you. But the truth of the matter is everybody's still a little bit off because of COVID. Right. Like mm-hmm. I try to like teach my kids like, Hey, we can be thankful for all this, but guess what? Everything's really messed up right now. And you probably don't feel just right. And that's okay. And that's normal. Right. <laughs> so I think like everybody else, I just feel like things are off a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's hard to kind of be normal. Sure. Uh Personally, I think that's probably what you're talking about. Oh, it's Loco over here. So Lana and I, she's the best. I married way up as in as did both of you gentlemen.
3: Mm.
2: We have four young ones, ages seven through seventeen. Here's the deal with my fam. So my oldest is our nephew. We got him when he was a baby. it was a wild part of our lives and has really shifted a lot of uh, a lot of things for us. And so we have four. So it's 7, 11, 15, 17, and just a few months ago, we met three new kids who are relatives of ours, they're, they're cousins of my wife's side, and they just came to live with us full-time 11 days ago. So I am now dad of seven, and my house is crazy, and uh, man, I have a first, second, third, fourth grader now, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, my, my world has been totally rocked because I'm trying to figure out how do I love these kids well? How do I help them adjust to a new family? How do I keep reassuring them that this is their forever home? Because they've never had that. And so it's been pretty, pretty wild.
1: Hmm. And you've seen God really meet you in a lot of ways through that, through people blessing you, people stepping up and being willing to walk with you through that, correct?
2: Oh, for sure. It, It has been very encouraging and affirming and i've never felt both Lana and i together as a couple have never felt like the lord wants us to do something more than this like it's been so very clear so it's been great for us as a couple because it's this is our mission as you know as a team and uh been really neat to watch my original four kids step it up and like back to the conversation of serving like Holy cow, this is a practical way for my kids to serve and make their faith real. And I think that they're going to look back on this time, my original four, and go, oh, man, that was, that was it for me and the Lord. That, that was mm-hmm. a huge time where I put a stake in the ground and looked back and my faith was real. And uh, that was life changing. And for the three new ones, they're going to look back and go, this is the time that, that our lives radically changed forever where we met Christ. Mm -hmm. We had a stable home. We got yanked out of the poverty cycle. I mean, all these crazy things that, that is going to happen. It's just going to take a while. So this is a difficult, challenging,
1: important time for my family.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Ryan, can you pick that up? I know it probably feels a little different because Ben's is such a the numbers and the sheer madness and this stage of life is obviously a big deal, but you went through the adoption process. So speak to that and where you relate connect, or can speak to the gospel and being obedient on you and Libby's end.
3: Yeah. So, wow. That's, that's awesome to hear about the, the bottom family, big family. Uh, So, yeah. So in uh, 2011, 2010, uh, Libby was eight months pregnant with Griffin, uh, our third, and a friend of ours, uh, somebody who's in our wedding, had just brought home a, a little girl from Ethiopia, and she came to visit us, and and I just was blown away by, the realness of adoption, and the need, um, not just for adoption but for orphan care, uh, in general, and you know it just became very personal, uh, just meeting someone, a close friend who. Brought this beautiful little girl home, Mariah from Ethiopia. And I, I looked at Libby, who was eight months pregnant. and I said, man, we should do that. <laughs> and my wife was like, you're insane. I have this ham, uh, you know, turkey uh, strapped to my body called a child. Uh, we're not adopting. So I was like, OK, maybe I'm a little ambitious. Fast forward about another year and a half. And I was like, hey, we should pray about it. And we went to a conference down at Southeast Christian Church in Louisville. That's like 40,000 people. Uh, a lot like Soma City. And so we uh, we we went there and, uh, you know, just heard some great, uh, it was a National Orphan Alliance conference and, you know, read some books by Russell Moore on Adopted for Life and, and just really started thinking and praying about it. And then entered the program that our friend uh, had been a part of to adopt a little boy from Ethiopia. So started that process in 2012 and three years later uh, brought home. Grady, as the name we gave him, his uh, his board name was Yasu Adama for the city he was uh, born in, Adama, Ethiopia, and uh, just an amazing uh, experience and uh, love the kid. Uh, just an amazing little boy fits in our family perfectly, and um, just really has been just very impactful to our three biological children, and has been. You know, very interesting parenting a you know a black son in in our current climate in America, and just communicating to him. And you know, obviously, he knows uh, he's a part of a white family, and so we've had some really intense conversations. You know, at bedtime when you know he looks and he says, "Hey, I want to be white," and mm-hmm. and so we have to talk about you know how God made him, and um, so it's it's been an amazing process, but also, you know, certainly certainly challenging in some ways, but um, uh, absolutely, uh, you know, if God's leading somebody to to do that and they have capacity for it, uh, there's a huge need and, and just something that we loved uh, and feel incredibly blessed to have been a part of.
1: That's great. It's funny when I think back to your initial pictures, Ryan, when you and Libby adopted, thinking like, wow, he as part of this family now and he, you know, the picture looks different and he's new. And what does that look like life for him versus now it's like, yeah, that's just the snow family. You know I mean? It, it, you could just tell you guys yeah. made a groove and this is how it's kind of always been, even though that's not true. So, Hey, for time's sake, we're going to be really quick. I'm going to fire you guys. the What yeah. I call the rapid five and you both can answer the question kind of real quick. We won't laugh too terribly hard or long when we get here, but, uh, and we'll go Ryan each time and then Ben real quick. Uh, what is your favorite childhood snack or cereal?
3: Ooh, you sent me that. I have to answer it quickly, but snack is going to be Cheetos. Uh, Cheetos and then cereal, it's got to be Cinnamon Life. Wow. I had to include both of those. So that's Cheetos and Cinnamon Life. Not together. Hopefully. Mine is my mom's. <laughs> Not together.
2: <laughs> no, that's true. Your mom's uh, what? My favorite snack would be my, as a kid, was my mom's homemade dill pickles.
1: Ooh. Wow. Okay. I expected more, but that's okay. (laughs) Um, what is the, sounds sounds really healthy. That's right. What is your favorite book to give to other people? If you can give any book as a gift, because that's different than what's your favorite book, what is your favorite book you would want to give to other people?
3: So Jeff, you sent me this question and, uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to be a little long with it. I'll be fast. Uh, but, I'm like a pharmacist when it comes to books. And so to say what's my favorite drug to prescribe, it's, it's not easy. Uh, so if somebody's a skeptic, and I know they are, I'm going to give them Reason for God by Tim Keller or Prodigal God by Tim Keller. Both are excellent books. Somebody's a leader in an organization and they're like, what the heck am I doing? I love giving people the advantage by Patrick mm. Lencioni. If somebody's a person and they're like, I have no direction for my life, I give them Essentialism by Greg McCowan. Mm. Um, That book is incredible. It's kind of like Stephen Covey for the 21st century. Mm. Somebody's a follower of Jesus and they're like, man, my life is just stale right now in Christ. And I'm not really living in the power of the gospel. The devotional New Mercies uh, by Paul Tripp. Tripp is excellent. Somebody's like, I really don't understand or grasp the big picture of Christianity. N.T. writes, Simply Christian is dynamite, as is Desiring God by John Piper. Um, and then I have a lot of friends, and I bet all of us on this uh, podcast do, who in the last three to four years have just kind of walked away from the faith. And I would love for them to read books from guys like John Mark Comer oh, love or A.J. Swoboda. Uh, A.J. Swoboda or John Mark Comer, they can deconstruct the faith and, you know.
1: So Ben, Butchers, well, I have one,
3: Ryan, and you I already, it. It.
2: if I was going to give the book I've given away most is just that new Morning Mercies by Paul, Tripp. Paul David Tripp, because he, yes. he'd be tripping, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so it's it for me.
1: If you would have said the Bible Uh, after Ryan just named all those books and done the Sunday school answer, I would have reached across this phone and smacked you. I I thought he's going to just say the Bible or something after Ryan
2: said (laughs) all. The Old Testament. Yeah,
1: yeah,
3: yeah. Yeah. That's hilarious. Jude, Um, Jude, yes.
1: Okay, so my favorite question I get to ask people, this is my absolute favorite question. We just had this happen on vacation recently. So if you're like me, I got six or six of us total. We're going from A to B. You never know perfectly when lunch is going to hit. And you come up on that exit and you're like, okay, we're stopping next exit no matter what because so-and-so's got it to go to the bathroom. We're getting a spot where nothing's going to be available. Where are we going? And you see the signs on the, the uh, little billboard thing. And it says McDonald's, oh, yeah. Chick-fil-A, and In-N-Out Burger. Where are you going, Ryan?
3: Well, only if I'm in California um, or Austin, Texas, am I going to In-N-Out or Denver. Or Phoenix. Um, Phoenix so as well. Otherwise, between those, I'm going to do Chick-fil-A um, out of those three options right there.
2: Ben? I concur with Ryan on this one. Uh, In-N-Out is very overrated. Oh. And I would hit Chick-fil-A <laughs> every time.
1: That hurts. You know, the one I leave off here that really <laughs> is the answer is Raising Cane's and I love my chicken friends who are in Ooh. the business, but the only question you have to ask at Raising Cane's is fries or Texas toast. That's it. Everything else is figured out. So <laughs> there is a, there is a correct answer. And I left it off the list. Okay. Your favorite trendy clothing item of all time that you get totally geeked out about. Like for me, and this is it current, this is a new thing for me. I love Hey Dude shoes. So what is your all-time favorite trendy clothing item, Ryan Snow?
3: I'm the least trendy human in the world. I shop at Kohl's or like Amazon Basics. So I have no life on this, but I'm going to go back to the 80s. Uh, I did own a pair of the first Air Jordans, the black and red ones that he won the dunk contest with in Indianapolis. If you remember that, the cradle dunk. My son Alex would like uh, to buy those right now. After
1: that, it's all been downhill. Can my son, Alex, buy those off of you right now? He would kill for those.
3: Yeah, I would love to find them, uh, <laughs> but they, uh, I, I'm sure they yeah. probably are somewhere. in some landfill somewhere. There you go. South ben, south of Columbus.
1: Ben, what's yours?
3: I had kind of a laughing fit
2: to myself thinking about trends, Jeffrey, because I remember <laughs> when you used to wear those capri pants. Um, <laughs> the orange capri pants. <laughs> and, I stole them I off used, the one dude from the I Georgia Clay. You them, and you would be like, what? Kara likes them. And that, that and was she like, uh, and she but did. you got them on sale somewhere. Mine, I don't know if it's going to relate with most people. It's, it's a certain brand of really expensive hunting garb. Like it's Ooh. called first light. It's stupid, expensive, really nice. And I'm like a, a nerd fan of their stuff. Wow.
1: <laughs> Do you know what store I just discovered? And Ryan probably knows about it from his upbringing. And I had never been inside of one. I fell madly in love with it. And I might actually if I go there more, I might have a little style is Orvis. How about Orvis?
3: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's good stuff. <laughs> I, I I think it would work for you.
1: <laughs> I don't, that's a loaded <laughs> comment right there. All right. Last question to the rapid five, Ryan, your first celebrity crush.
3: That's easy. Elizabeth Shue and the karate kid.
1: Amen. Cobra Kai. She comes back. Spoiler <laughs> alert. Absolutely. Amen. Benjamin. Who's yeah. your first celebrity crush? I'm in a body bag. Johnny. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I
2: said Elizabeth Shue in Adventures in Babysitting.
1: Oh, you left out cocktail. Or, Cocktail's equally good.
2: Let's go cocktail. Sylvester Stallone and Rambo won.
1: <laughs> uh, cocktail Elizabeth Shue. Yeah. It was Elizabeth yeah. Shue. Yeah. When I watched season three of Cobra Kai, if Elizabeth Shue would have not shown up, which I love, Cobra Kai. My wife and I love it. I got my middle son Ethan to like it. I would have been going ballistic. Like, how do you not bring Elizabeth Shue back? So I'm glad we all agree on that one. I've never had that happen before. It's great that we all agree on yeah. that. So here's we're going to move on to some That's, serious. This is, this is amazing. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, that is crazy. So let's talk legacy a little bit. You know, one of the reasons I wanted to have you guys on was a. There's just some natural, obvious chemistry. Um, but I have such mad respect for both you guys when I think about young guys I got to invest in when I was much, much younger than right now and saw them at different stages. And, you know, Ben mm-hmm. and I meet his junior year at Northwestern. Ryan, I think I met you as a freshman mm-hmm. or you maybe you were an eighth yeah. grader at Roosevelt. But yeah. seeing where you guys have gone and both of you have had other people mm-hmm. invest. And, in, you know, for you, Ryan, I definitely think of a Kyle Kaler for sure. But, you know, it's yeah. it's neat seeing where you guys have gone. And I think for all of us, we want to see people we invest in go further than we do. And I think by any estimation, mm. no disrespect to myself in that, but I think you guys have, have clearly done that. So speak to thinking through life with a legacy totally. framework. Like Ben, let's start with you on this one. Like what does legacy look like for you when you think through your investment in people?
2: You're setting yourself up to be disappointed, <laughs> right? Like, cause you want people to grow and you want people to Ah, uh, go deeper in their relationship with with Jesus, and then risk—you know what I mean—like to to go after it. And so many times you're you're watching from the sidelines as a as a coach, uh, wanting them to to choose the harder things. You know what I mean? Um, and sometimes it works out. And it's just an amazing experience when you get to watch someone that you hoped the best for, and prayed for, and coached, and loved lean into it and and go after Jesus you know
3: what about you Brian yeah I, I mean that's a great perspective I think the I think you know when I think of legacy both the legacy that hopefully um, not only seeing other people that you're leading grow and develop and become who God has made them to be you know I think that it's it, it is that longing to see whatever God has entrusted to you. And we're, we're all at different points in that journey, but like, you know, the relational investments that have been put into me, the the reps of study and prayer and, you know, just leadership and learning from great people. I think that God just puts that desire in us that that when we kind of drink from that well, we want to, you know, see other people experience that as well. It's kind of like, if you go, you know, the first time you eat at an amazing restaurant, you're like, you have to have this. So I think just that desire of, you know, really wanting to pass on what has been, you know, put into you. Um, and I think the other thing, just when I think of legacy, I just think that a lot of times we get way too, and I know I, I can fall prey to this where I, I can either get, you know, on the continuum, I can get too focused on the immediate present or I can get too you know, big picture and, and it's a balance of both. Mm. So it's, it's doing the things like we've all probably done writing a funeral journal and, and envisioning all the people that we've loved and, you know, and our kids, like, what are they going to say at our funeral? And what's my wife really going to say, you know, obviously guys like Michael Hyatt, you know, have Mm. entire books on that. And, you know, Stephen Covey always talked about that beginning with the end in mind. But I think as we think of legacy, we need to do that. But then we also need to like, bring that into the present day Mm. and make sure we're capturing those moments and realize that a legacy is built not on these big grand moments, but to quote Paul David Tripp, uh, it's those 10,000 little moments. Mm. And so really for me, sometimes it's just saying, Hey, to build a legacy, I have to be present today. More can happen in a moment than can happen in a lifetime, sometimes, you know, just really capturing, you know, it's this podcast. It's the it's the pull aside pink moments. It's <laughs> it's those little moments that we can really make a, an amazing deposit in in somebody's lives. So, you know, Ryan, I mean, I'm reminded as you
1: say that I'm thinking of uh, and Ben knows and Bill Brown, former president of Cedarville University, who's a mentor of mine. He talked about a great life is made up of great years, which is made up of great weeks, which is made up of great mm-hmm. de- days, which is made up of great moments. And I think you captured that. Really well, you know. I feel like Sadie Robertson here. Yeah. Every, every time I hear you guys speak, I'm thinking, so good, so good. I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm turning into like <laughs> the uh, podcast Sadie here or something like that. So, hey, we got two questions to kind of be quick and close on. I did want to talk to both of you because Libby, I haven't had the pleasure to really get to know. No, lana you know, unfortunately, not enough time with her as an adult. But um, I did play a little role, at least in trying to get Ben and Lana together. So I do try to take some credit where I can but um you know you guys both have great wives it's very clear whether you say it or you don't that you're very much on the same page if someone were to look at either one of you and say wow here's what stands out and is remarkable and ministered to me about Ben and Lana or Ryan and Libby what would you want them to say starting with you Ryan yeah I think that you know we um, we have different
3: relational types. Um, she is you know strongly extroverted and I am you know kind of a 50 50 uh, split. you know, my hobby is running marathons, which is a very <laughs> introverted way to spend your time. And I think one of the things you know we want to minister out of we don't want to feel like we're putting on a show. I, I think too many people we obviously see leaders falling all the time who, are so different on stage than they are in, in their homes or you know just talking to you know them in real life. And so I think for us ministry is not an event. It's not even a career it doesn't need to be. We want it to be our lives. Mm. And so for us it's it's how do we love one another in our home? What do our kids really think of us? Uh, what are we like as neighbors? Like, do we really know our actual neighbors, the people who live to our right now? Do we know their first names? Are we learning about their story? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, John Wimber used to say, uh, he was the founder of the Vineyard Movement. He said, you know, it's so interesting. Sometimes we, we drive right by the mission field to quote, get to the mission field. Mm-hmm. So for us, I think it's, it's, just looking, God, where do you have us planted and how can we bloom here? And so and how can we have a, a home that invites people in and share some meals? So for us, it's just making it as tangible as possible mm. and, and ministering out of our lives, not an event. Go follow that up, Ben. Yeah. Right. I want to be like, and me too.
2: <laughs> <laughs> right. No, I, I think that the idea Whatever. of, uh, if you marry the right person and you're both pursuing the Lord and you're, you're both to use the old, uh, young life acronym, you know, you're both fat, you're faithful, available, <laughs> teachable. And in some cases, uh, literally that, but then you can be the dream team, right? Mm. Like, yep. Lana can push me to be better. And mm. she is really strong in areas where I am weak and, I can push her to be better and we can pray together and it can be proactive and intentional as a team when it comes to raising your kids or loving, loving your neighbor or growing or being obedient. You you know what I mean? Like it, if you marry the right person, then as you mature in Christ individually, you're going to as a family. And, uh, that's when things get really fun. You know, like we, we get to host Young Life Campaigners at my house and more than anything we want those kids to walk into our house and it's in a real environment
3: mm.
2: modeling you know a, a man and woman who loves one another and mm. is going to serve I each know. other
3: that's
1: great
2: and it's good going to pray together but also for kids you know what i mean just it's it's a team
1: you know what's cool about that yeah. i was with a pastor friend of mine today and we were just talking Absolutely. about the power and the the oomph of the word intentional, and both you guys live intentional lives. So we're gonna be short and sweet if you can do that with this last question. So you two is is pretty obvious are two of the <laughs> funniest guys I know. And yet I would say you both are very mature men of God. How do those two things play off each other? Because on paper they might play against each other, but speak to humor and maturity in Christ. Go Ben.
2: I don't know. It's a, that's a tough one because I have regretted a lot of things I've done with my humor low these many years, right. Where I can be too sarcastic or too mean or, or whatever. But with humor, you get the gift of connecting with people. Mm -hmm. You get the gift of like, let's say there's some awkwardness or tension in the room. It can relieve some of that. You you need some fun to break down some walls and to connect relationally. Right. And so if you use your humor correctly, it can be a tool that's goofy and, and welcoming and can actually help people to connect. And so I think that's kind of, I don't know, I I hope uh, that's the way we use it and how God has uh, programmed us to do so. That makes sense.
1: Sure. That's good. Brian, how about you?
3: Yeah, I think that obviously, you know, all of us having roots and still experience in young life, you know, humor is like the anesthetic in life sometimes, as Ben said. And I think it can just be, you know, sometimes I think, and, and I, I fall prey to this, where I just take myself and life far too seriously. Most of you have probably seen the either the video clip or read the book by Louis Giglio on Indescribable, where he just talks about the, you know, just the sheer size of the cosmos. And I think sometimes we just have to look at our lives and go, you know what, we're all just really small. <laughs> and, You know, we're all just like, we're on this little dot called earth and, and just kind of take a deep breath. And I think sometimes the true, the things that are most true in life are also some of the funniest things. And, you know, I think that, humor can be used to, to wound people. So I, like Ben said, we never want to go there, but I think it can also be just a great healing things. You guys probably know the acronym from young life. I think that's where I learned it, but they talked about, we want to have healing environments, H E A L, you know, humor, excellence, adventure, and love. And, you know, I've, I've thought about that even as church, like, Hey, we should laugh a lot. Things should be excellent. Cause We serve an excellent God. We should take people on an adventure and we should certainly have a culture of love. So I think those all blend really well. When you have that kind of concoction, it's it's quite the cocktail. So there you go.
1: Well, you guys, this has been great. I could do this for hours and hours. It's great, Ryan. I haven't seen you. I feel like, gosh, (laughs) in a decade or more probably. And yet we had a short phone call and now this, and I feel like I saw you yesterday and picking up right where we left off. I feel Mm -hmm. like we should close by singing, Don't Dream It's Over. Um, and then Ben, I mean, obviously, I mean, you guys are just great. I, we could, we could do this all day. So very grateful for you guys. Thank you that, uh, the Pinkleton pull aside is what it is because of guys like you. And I have deep love for both of you guys as Mm. men, as friends, as husbands, as leaders, as servants, and so much more. So look forward to doing this again at some point sooner than later, guys.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having us on Jeff.
0: Thank you for joining us on the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast. You can reach Jeff at GatheringMiamiValley.org or find us on Facebook at The Gathering of the Miami Valley. Join us again next week for another honest and rich conversation. The Shine FM Podcast Network.